Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. So you're not like functioning normally, but all of a sudden your life is interrupted in some way, big or small. And for me, it was pretty big at the start. And even now, even though um, the trauma was 15 years ago now, even more, um, it's still something where I can have all of a sudden something really small can remind me of the experience. And the experience was being sexually assaulted when I was 15 to 18. Um, by, in my first relationship. And so little things, you know, can remind me and it's not even, doesn't have to be specific. So it doesn't have to be like a memory that comes up in my mind. It can just be a sensation or a song or, you know, and all of a sudden my day will stop and I will have to react in a different way. This is the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you overcome average, step up above mediocrity, all by doing hard things. Our whole goal here is to help you improve your life by doing those hard things you know you need to do, but you've been avoiding. So we want to help you solve the problems in your life, and we want to give you the tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and whatever you need in order to overcome average. So today we are having our Monday show, so you'll hear from me and a guest. Before we get into that, though, quick announcement. I want to encourage you to share the podcast with someone you know. So think of someone who could benefit from this message and share the podcast with them in person or on social media. Uh, as well, you can reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast. Tell us what sort of hard things you're dealing with, and we'd love to try and help you out. Uh, next thing, go ahead and help us reach $1,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. They are a nonprofit organization that goes undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking, which is a horrible thing, but we can do something about it. So help us reach our goal of raising $1,000 for them. Go to GoFundMe.com slash Overcoming Dash Average and uh, donate some money today. But now let me talk about today's guest. So today's guest is named Marina Trainer. We have a very interesting conversation. Before we get into it, uh, we talk about, um, you know, a lot of different things today. And some of it might be for you, some of it might not. So I just encourage you to pick out those things that you feel apply to you and to then go apply those in your life. Uh, Marina has a very amazing story. She uh, suffered sexual assault as a kid, uh, not, a, not as a kid, but in her youth, I guess you could say. And because of that, she deals had has dealt with post-traumatic stress disorder. We spend a lot of time talking about that and, and getting your mindset right. And then we transition over into talking about building a business. So uh, enough of me talking. Go ahead and listen up to my conversation with Marina Triner. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Marina. I'm excited to have this conversation with you and uh, get to know you a little bit. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's start off asking the question that I ask all my guests. What is the hardest thing you've ever done? Hmm, I think the hardest one is probably living with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is not one thing, but you know, it's like many, many things, but it's, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. When you say it's not one thing, can you, can you explain what you mean by that? Cause, uh, me, for one, I am fairly uneducated as far as post-traumatic stress disorder goes. So please explain what you mean by that and, and tell me more about that. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure that a lot of people are uneducated about it, even though I don't believe that, you know, we don't all. I actually believe we all have it in some sense, you know, because we all experience some kind of trauma, even if it's not massive. So um, it's basically, I'm not a therapist, but, um, <laughs> I can just speak from personal experience that when you go through trauma, even a car accident or, 
Um, even sometimes like really happy things can be traumatic, um, like vacations, like people say, you know, like just a change of atmosphere, you know, yeah. um, what the result is in, in the short or long term is that you can experience like flashbacks to it or um, freezing, like you're kind of stuck all of a sudden, like you can't really function, you're not yourself, um, mood swings or depression, um, just different things like sensations in the body that are very unfamiliar. So you're not like functioning normally, but all of a sudden your life is interrupted in some way, big or small. And for me, it was pretty big at the start. And even now, even though um, the trauma was 15 years ago now, even more, um, it's still something where I can have all of a sudden something really small can remind me of the experience. And the experience was being sexually assaulted when I was 15 to 18 um, by, in my first relationship. And so little things, you know, can remind me and it's not even doesn't have to be specific. So it doesn't have to be like a memory that comes up in my mind. It can just be a sensation or a song or, you know, and all of a sudden my day will stop and I will have to react in a different way to that. Interesting. So it's kind of like, and maybe this is a simplistic way of thinking about it, but it's kind of like a time machine in your mind that transports you in some facet back to that same situation yeah yeah and it's not just the mind I think the body is actually the biggest part of it um, so a lot of people who have gone through trauma we kind of disconnect because we don't want to live in our bodies anymore because that happened to our body you know so we really start living in the mind but really it is a lot in the body so different sensations that are really unpleasant that kind of mimic like what happened um, and also how we respond to things. So um, someone once, actually a coach once said to me, because I have my own business, <laughs> um, she said to me that I actually operate from a place of trauma, like I operate my business from a place of trauma. So it's like not um, creating or not feeling empowered, but reacting to things, just always in reactive mode. Another thing I didn't mention, which... I think is very helpful for people to understand even about their own trauma is being hyper vigilant. So all of a sudden you'll think, oh my gosh, like everyone's against me or I'm in danger all the time. So it's a feeling of not being safe. That's very uh, big in my life. I often feel, oh my God, I'm unsafe. Like all of a sudden something will trigger that lack of safety feeling. Um, so that's really big as well. Wow. Um, I kind of want to dig in a little bit more, obviously not getting into details, but um, I believe that there are three basic types of difficulties or obstacles or hard things that you deal with in your life. There's the kind that you choose to assume and you overcome them in order to create something like a business. Or there's kind of a kind that's kind of like a requirement. This could be seen as going to college. You know, you have to go to college to get a degree and in many people's eyes have a job. And then there are some difficulties that you don't have a choice and your options are basically to just get through it, you know, kind of endure. And I feel like trauma and especially sexual assault is one that people shouldn't have to go through. So in, in your estimation, and maybe this is kind of an insensitive question, but what could have been done to prevent the trauma? Well, I have to say that I um, kind of have a different perspective, interestingly, on that, which <laughs> may surprise some people yeah. and it may be really controversial. And I definitely didn't have this perspective like when it happened. I was like, oh, why did this happen to me? I'm right. a victim and, you know, that kind of thinking. But over the years, like the thing that has helped me the most was actually to ask like, am I a victim really? Um, and what do I enjoy about it? Which was really hard to ask. Um, but it, it's true. Like I found that I really was enjoying it. And it's not that I wasn't a victim at that time that it happened. Yes, I was a victim to the situation. But it's interesting that we can really be a victim in our minds. Like that's the most interesting part for me is like, yeah, something bad can happen. But then you don't have to see yourself as a victim. You can choose to see yourself differently. And I really chose to see myself as a victim all the time. So in a sense, 
um, in that sense, I do believe that I chose to continue the obstacle for many, many years. And now I choose differently. And we can talk more about that. Um, but even this is going to be even more controversial, but this is what I believe now is that even um, situations like sexual assault, in some way, we have a part in it. And I'm not saying it was my fault in any shape or form, you know, um, and it's nobody's fault. It's, mm -hmm. of course, 100% the offender, you know, but mm -hmm. I think fault and responsibility are different. And when we look at responsibility, it's much more interesting because I believe that I did have a responsibility in creating that situation or being part of it. The dynamic of our relationship was something that I was looking for. So how I was raised and like my family dynamics were kind of similar in a sense where I was like kind of a victim like in my mind and what I observed around me. And so that was like my comfort zone. And you'll see that many women are sexually assaulted more than once because they don't catch this pattern. So that's why I think it's really, really good to recognize the pattern and say, oh, my God, like that's I actually looked for it. I looked for someone that I would be really submissive in the relationship and I would be, you know, abused in this relationship. Um, and I looked for it because I'm really comfortable with it. And that's how I grew up or whatever reason. Um, or that was my previous relationship. So I keep looking for that and I keep recreating it. So once you recognize that, it's very empowering. And it's also really helpful because then you stop the pattern or you, you know, I'm not saying that it's so easy, but it's just it helps you see it in a different way and how you can take ownership of that experience. And then now you can change the way you interact in relationships because, you know, sometimes we like either recreate or we go the opposite. Like a lot of times with our parents, you know, I'm going to be the exact opposite, but that's also unhealthy because it's like chasing your whole life, how you can be the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not very empowering. And it's also, there's no choice in it. It's not like I'm looking into it and I, this is what I want to create. It's like, no, no, I'm going to be the exact opposite. So it's, those are things that I am still working on. Um, but just, yeah. So I, I hope that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't, I think that all of the obstacles, we choose them essentially. Yeah. I, I'm really happy that you brought up the fact of the difference between fault and responsibility. I think in most, most instances, using the word fault is very unproductive. It, it's, it's trying to change the past, which none of us can do. And uh, I mean, obviously the offender, he was, or, or she, I don't know in this case, but he, the, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he was 100% at fault. There's nothing that can be changed about that. Um, but when you use the word responsibility, I think it brings it to the present because you were responsible, but you're also responsible now as far as how to act and how to react. So I think that was very, and I don't think it's as quite as controversial as you think saying that. I think it's a very important point to make. Um, and I, I, this this idea of victimhood mentality is very interesting to me. What do you think, or, or how would you define being a victim? Um, it's in most simple terms. I think it's when you believe that everything happens to you, so you're not creating things. You're just, you know, the victim of life. And it can even I've recognized it as a pattern since I was a little kid. Um, for example, with money, like oh my God, everyone's against us. We're fighting the system. The world, you know, doesn't want us to have money. They want us to be poor. Everyone's trying to manipulate us, that kind of thinking. So I grew up with that. So no wonder that I always felt so comfortable and happy being a victim. And of course, I still have situations where I catch myself like loving it because yeah. it's like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. You know, that's just yeah. how it is. So I don't have to do anything. It's really nice. I can just sit here and I can complain. Um, so that's really how I see being a victim. And also, like, when I would tell people about the story of being assaulted, they would they would have all this sympathy for me. And I, I was loving it. So that that just was, you know, continuing the look at, you know, just feel sorry for me. Like, I feel so sorry for myself. And also part of it was that. Um, at that time, the society did not recognize that, you know, what was happening, like my, my family and my friends and everybody around and even as a social norm, um, 
you know, being abused within a relationship is still kind of hard for people to grasp. They think, well, you know, you're in a relationship, it can't happen. Sexual assault cannot happen inside of a, like, consent. Um, and so I was really needing, like, that approval to finally happen of people saying, like, yeah, it did happen to you. And instead of giving it to myself, so often I find that this happens when you actually don't give it to yourself. Like, in, you know, it's like when you think, everyone's judging me. No, no, you're judging yourself. That's what's actually happening. And then you just kind of mirror it out. Like, people are your mirror. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see um, being a victim. And it really is a, a state of mind. Like, it's amazing. I've heard so many stories worse than mine. You know, it's crazier than mine of women who are like, no, I'm not. I choose not to be a victim. So no matter what happens to you, you can really make that mental kind of choice. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it was Viktor Frankl, one of the survivors of the Holocaust. He he. And I'm, I'd probably butcher any quote, but multiple of his sayings deal with the fact that the last of the human liberties is to be able to choose, you know, your own mood or mindset, something, something to that effect. So I agree completely. At yeah. What point, sorry, ahead. I was also want to add. There's a really amazing book called The Choice. It's also about the Holocaust, and it's actually uh, the author is Edith Eager, and she's actually a friend of Victor Frankl's. And it's amazing because that's all she she talks about that also that within like when she was actually in the Holocaust, she found that she could make a choice, you know, um, at all points, even within that situation. And when I read that, it was so powerful because it's like this is the Holocaust, you know, you feel like you don't have a choice, but really she talks about how it is, like, just like Viktor Frankl, it's your only freedom really is to to know in your mind that you can always make a choice. Wow. I love stories like that because they really, they're so uplifting and enlightening and challenging at the same time because they say, you know what, you can be a better person because you don't have to complain about whatever bad thing happens today. Um, at what point did you realize this victimhood mentality was going on and how what keyed you off to it you know what tipped you what what let you know hmm. I think my business was a big part of it because I started to realize that I was behaving that way with my work mm -hmm. and I really wanted to succeed so I was like to, I was just like studying marketing and st studying strategy and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, but I know all this stuff, what's missing for me. And then I realized that it's at least 95% mindset because you can know how to do all the things, but if you don't have the right mindset, then you get stuck. And so I kind of started to learn about what taking responsibility actually meant, like in different areas. And I even remember, like, recently one of my coaches was like, one of the most important things, um, mindset, you know, mindsets to succeed in business is taking full responsibility. And I actually was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so it's pretty funny. I didn't even know what she actually meant. Um, but I was, I was kind of in the process of doing it. And she said, you know, it's about just seeing your part and never saying, like, oh, well, there weren't enough people at my workshop, so no one signed up. Oh, well, you know, just blaming everything, like this pattern of blaming. And I really learned this pattern <laughs> since I was a kid. Like, I would always do that and complaining. Uh, I'm Jewish, so it's like I'm not blaming the Jewish culture, but it is part of our culture, you know, to complain mm. a lot. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. So, yeah, just recognizing that and I'm trying to remember I think there really was a moment when I got really honest with myself and I'm not sure what triggered it but it was in the last four years which is four years ago is when I started my business and I had that thought of like what about this do I enjoy because I suddenly felt like I enjoy being a victim that was really scary and I remember I felt like so horrible like I just I felt like so triggered and I didn't want it's like oh my god I enjoy it it's like a secret I don't want to tell anyone and in that moment it's like oh, okay this is something I gotta think about so that really taught me that whenever I feel like sh ashamed about something and I feel triggered it's like let's go into that because that's where the real transformation always happens 
Um, I used to be scared of those moments and just like avoid them. You know, all the yucky feelings you get in your body. It's like, avoid, avoid, run away. Um, but I think that really taught me that when you explore and go into it, it's really transformative. Well, that's so insightful. I, I don't think anyone has brought that up about, <clears throat> it, you know, if you are, if you have a victimhood mentality, then you probably enjoy some aspect of being a victim. And I, I, I can see how that would help so many people crawl out of that mindset. And actually, to that point, uh, what sort of things would you recommend to someone who finds themselves with that victim mindset to eradicate it? The first thing I always tell my coaching clients, actually, because it's so funny, because, you know, not all of them have this deep trauma, mm -hmm. but we all do this. It's very human where we say, I have to, I must, um, I can't. Those like words, uh, just pay attention to them. I start paying attention to when I say that, like, I have to, I, I can't, whatever, or I can. And then I realized, wait, I don't have to do anything besides breathe, you know. So when I say that, like, for instance, I realized it um, because I would be in traffic for a really long time, like driving to a project that I really like to do, actually. And the whole time I would just complain, like, oh, my God, why do I have to be in traffic and like all this stuff. Quick pause on the show, guys. Uh, today, just like always, uh, we talk about a book. Marina mentions the book The Choice. Now, you and I both know the value of listening and or reading to books. And honestly, some of the easiest ways to get that knowledge goodness inside of you is just to listen to the book. So I want to give you the chance to get a free audiobook today by Audible. So go to audibletrial.com slash the hard thing podcast. You can get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial, which means you get other audiobooks at a discount. And uh, I want to give you that, so go to audibletrial.com slash thehardthingpodcast. Go get yourself some book-loving. But while you're doing that, let's just go back to the show. And then I realized that that's really part of putting yourself into that victim mode when you're complaining and when you're talking about, you know, I have to do this. So I changed it at first to I want to. So I always use I want to or I don't want to. And that was really powerful, even that little change. And so I ask my clients, really pay attention when you say um, I can't say I don't want to because you still have a choice. Like you always have a choice. You're just choosing. Right. Um, and it's my friends and I always do this. Like we always kind of remind each other because sometimes we forget. And we were on a trip re recently and I said, um, I have to go to the bathroom. And my, my partner was like, you don't have to, you want to. And I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> so there's a limit somewhere. Um, but, you know, that's super helpful. And then I met a woman recently and on her screensaver on her phone, I was looking and it said, I get to. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. And she said, I'm a mom. And it's really easy with your kids to feel like, you have to do things like you have to pack their lunch, you have to bathe them, you know, whatever. And then she changed it to I get to. And it's just so empowering. Even that it sounds like a little thing, but it's really not because your language really impacts your mind. So that's a big one. The second one is really to ask yourself, what do I enjoy about this? Because everything we do, we enjoy something about it. Like even if you think that you hate it and you can't wait to you know, stop doing it, you for sure enjoy it because you're human, right? You're not going to do something that's only bringing you suffering. So ask yourself that question, even though it's really uncomfortable. Um, and then the third one that my coach asked me, and I asked this about so many things, is what am I scared of when I get to the other side? So it can be, you can ask this question about anything, but it's like, what am I scared of when I stop seeing myself as a victim? What, what am I scared is gonna happen? What do I fear will happen? So you can even ask it about like, what am I scared is gonna happen when I get rich? You know, and that's a really weird question, but I've asked myself this so many times and found like the most brilliant answers. At first I'm like, nothing, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm not scared, it's awesome. But then I actually meditate on it. So I take it really slow and I just ask myself in my head, what am I scared will happen when whatever? 
even a happy thing like for instance if you're single and you're like dying to get in a relationship and something's blocking you all the time so just ask yourself what am i scared will happen when i find the right person you know and just if you're stuck just sit with it and slow it down and just ask it over and over what am i scared will happen and i'm telling you i just all these stories from childhood started coming up for me it's just crazy um and it's usually stuff from childhood that that are like triggering you like you saw your parents you know when they were whatever when they had money issues or and when they had a lot of money and something bad happened for instance you know um so it's really interesting to do that that exercise well uh, i i think it's very important to i i guess the message that people need to work on themselves like all these problems seem you know so external yet the solutions are so internal mm-hmm. because they're things that we're dealing with on the inside that we don't even know so i find it very insightful these questions that you're asking so um kind of transitioning over to your business because it sounds like your business was what started to draw these shifts in you uh and they they kind of helped you change your mindset from a victim mindset <clears throat> to um, I guess the opposite. I don't really know what the opposite is, but um, you know, one that's progressive. Like creator, I would creator. say, creator, yeah. Creator. So, how did your business come about? What 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 made you start it? <clears throat> um, it it really started from a hobby because I changed. So I'm a plant based health coach, wellness mm-hmm. coach, um, and I changed my my diet essentially. I decided to go plant based. And it was just a hobby. It was at first a blog and I would just share recipes. And I was blogging for a while because I was really hiding behind a computer. That's the truth. But then I was like, I really miss people. Like I just wanted to see people. And I had been facilitating, which is really similar to coaching. I had been facilitating dialogue groups for years, which I still do in the summer. So what it is, is dialogue between Israelis and Palestinians and um, I come from Israel I grew up in Israel and when I was a kid a teen I went on one of those trips with Palestinians I met Palestinians for the first time and it really changed my life and I really wanted to learn how to do this work of dialogue so it's kind of like circle work you sit in a circle it's like a conversation you've never had before you know it's not like small talk but it's really like getting deep with people and so I started to do it at first I had no idea what I was doing then I actually took courses to learn um, when I lived in Jerusalem and I started to facilitate these circles and it was like my favorite thing in the world I mean I still do it it's kind of like a hobby now mm-hmm. and I always thought how can I actually have this be my work because it, it just brought me so much joy and The cool thing is that when I was doing it, it actually expanded me as a person. So I was like, okay, this is the kind of work that I want to do. I want to always be challenged in like a good way and always work on myself as I help other people grow. Um, and more and more with the teens that I work with, we do talk about the conflict, of course, but more and more it's like the conflict is a mirror to them, um, to who they are. So when they say, you know, I feel... Like you're taking everything from me and I'm powerless to the other side, quote unquote. It's like, well, do you feel powerless in your life and how? Um, and so even though, of course, a lot of these teens are in really dire situations, we can still talk about how can you even be empowered in that situation. So it's really like coaching what we do with them. And it's really amazing. And then I hired a coach for myself and. And she really saw in me that I'm a coach. <laughs> so she said, you know, stop hiding behind a computer and go coach people. Like, this is what you love so much. So I just started to do it. And right now I'm actually doing a really amazing um, 10-month certification for coaching. Like, it's kind of life coaching with all these tools, um, the mindset tools, because I learned, I did learn health coaching But now I'm realizing, you know, so much of it is in the mind. So when I started to work with clients, it was like, eat this and, you know, do this and move and whatever. And that was cool. But it's like, 
okay, that's not all I need. That's not going to sustain the change. Um, so now I'm just so interested in, in when I work with clients, I really talk so much about mindset. And then the other piece of the behavior just becomes really, really easy to do for them. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated with, in particular, the dialogue groups you talked about. <clears throat> so um, just so I understand kind of the context behind them, uh, the conflict you mentioned is the conflict between Israel and Palestine. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the purpose of those dialogue groups is to just bring people together. What exactly is the purpose? Ah, that's a hard question to answer. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, the conflict's still going on. So it's not like right. we can sit there and be like, oh, okay, we solved it. Sure. Um, it's to bring the teens together to just hear each other out. So okay. we don't have expectations from them. It's not like you have to change your mind. Um, you have to be best friends. There's honestly no expectation just because it's like, you know, it's still ongoing. So these teens have, most of them have never met the enemy, quote unquote, in their lives. So it's like this experience of really meeting and sitting down in the same room. I mean, that's extraordinary in itself because most of them don't get to do it. They actually don't get to sit in the same room with these people. Um, so that is amazing. And when they sit in the circle, it's a process. You know, at first they kind of build trust with each other. Then there's a lot of arguing about politics quite a lot. Um, and then they get to a point where they can just tell their stories. So they really share their stories with a lot of vulnerability and kind of their experience and it doesn't have to be just about the conflict. It's like life stories. Many of them are about the conflict. Um, and then just their lives, you know, how, how are their lives? And it's really, really powerful. It's, it's a lot of, um, self growth as well. Like it's not, as I mentioned, it's not just around the conflict, Essentially, like my role, I've been facilitating for 10 years now, and my role is just to empower them. That's like the biggest thing for them to know, like, we are powerful no matter what situation we're in. And we can use these tools. I mean, like, for instance, we um, did like a meditation activity and like one of the Palestinian girls was like, oh, my God, I've never heard of meditation <laughs> in my life. And I'm going to do this all the time. Like, I loved it. So it's like giving them tools to navigate this crazy situation. And they're just really powerful teens, like unbelievable. I mean, even having the courage to sit there and just face each other is so amazing to me. Um, like last year, one of our teens Four hours after he got back, went to the military, you know, from from wow. the trip. So they come here to San Diego. So it's just, it's really courageous what they're doing. Um, and yeah, it's beautiful. Wow, that is intense. Um, what sort of lessons did you learn by facilitating that group that you then used in your coaching business? Um, I think... Well, one of the biggest ones that I keep learning, which is really hard for me and I'm still learning it, but it's, it's like you don't have to save people. Um, so the work in facilitation is not about telling them, do this, say this, do that. It's just giving them space. So just creating the space, you know, they don't have this space in their lives. They don't get the space to talk. They don't get the space to express their feelings. They don't get the permission to express feelings. Um, in both, in, I mean, in American society too, but like, I feel like in every society, it's not really okay still to express emotions, um, especially mm -hmm. for men, for example, that's a really big one. So just giving them the space is all they need. And also my coaching clients, like, I don't think I give them anything extraordinary. It's just being there and giving them the space to talk it out, think about it, um, and really reflect on it and just have that space you know um and then the tools that i use the group process i think one of the biggest lessons is like the process is painful so just like you 
um, you said well, before we started to record that you believe that you got to go through hardships to get anywhere. It's so true. And so I really learned that, number one, them going through hardships together as a group is really essential, even though for me, sometimes it's so painful. Like, all I want to do is just, like, save them. And they'll come to me after dialogue and be like, I hate them. And I'm like, yeah, that's part of it. You know, it's okay. Like, hate them. It's fine. That's part of the process. Like, I'm not there to tell them, be best friends now, and it's fine. Just hug it out. Um, and that um, ex painful experience that they have is really, it's, I kind of learned to embrace it and just hold them through it and, like, remind them. So one of the things that I tell them, and they always remember it, is about the bamboo, that the bamboo tree at first for many, many years, it... Um, when it when you start to grow it you don't see anything so you're watering the ground watering and nothing comes out and it's very expensive because you're spending all this water so the farmer gets really frustrated and then all of a sudden if he or she doesn't give up all of a sudden it just shoots up so I kind of like to remind them that it really does help them because you know in life a lot of times you're like working so hard and you're trying to make something happen and then all of a sudden it just shoots up so that's a big lesson is like, and of course I take it into my life. Sometimes things don't work out and the part of the pain, I've learned to embrace it. It was actually a goal I wrote down when, I think last year, I wrote down like embracing failure and actually like enjoying it. And I ask my teens, like I always tell them, do you think you can enjoy failure in your life? And they think I'm crazy, but I think that you can learn to enjoy it, not just deal with it or like, move through it but actually like enjoy it as part of the process just like you enjoy the success i agree completely and just for our audience just so you know you know marina is not saying to go seek out failure to fail for failure's sake but when it happens you know accept it enjoy it as part of the process like she said um and it's very fascinating to me that you you hired a coach what prompted you to do that yeah, that's a good question because for years I was like, I can do this on my own. I don't need to, I don't need anyone's help and, and all of that. Um, I, well, for one, I just didn't see progress like in my business and I was like, I, I want to see progress, you know? Um, and now I can say I invest so much money in coaches now and it's been like the best thing I've ever done of course, choosing the right person, but I know it. Like when I talk to the right person, I know it. And it doesn't matter how much it is, I will go for it because I know it's gonna it's gonna grow me as a person. And also being a coach, it doesn't make sense for me to tell my clients, please invest in my service. It's gonna change your life, even if it scares the shit out of you that you're investing, you know, mm -hmm. however much money. I'm not going to tell them that and then not do it. So, and I also know that whatever, um, however far I get in my work with myself is how far I can take them. I can't take them farther than that. Another quick pause, guys. So uh, Marina is a f uh, health and wellness coach, and she deals in vegan plant-based diets. Now, Whatever diet you are on, you will need some supplements, more likely than not, because you obviously have some workout goals that you need to achieve. Uh, you might not, but let's just pretend you do. And again, you probably will need some supplements, so go get some supplements from high-quality producers, like those at One Mission Nutrition. They are a, a, a wonderful company that actually helps give back to the soldiers, so every product you purchase goes towards making a strength box for a soldier overseas. So go get a 10% discount today on any product they have by going to allegiance.onemissionnutrition.com slash theheartlingpodcast and uh, support the troops, support the podcast, and support yourself. In the meantime, let's get back to the show. And I'm just really excited to take them farther and farther. So every time I, I have a coach and I'm learning these things and I'm pushing myself to be better... I can then support my clients to do the same thing. So I think having a coach is super important. It's just having someone to see you from the side. So yeah, I give tools to my clients and my coaches give me tools, but it's also someone to observe you, to remind you that you are powerful. You can move through all the challenges. Um, 
and someone that can see your blind spots, you know, like my first coach, she would see, like we would talk about every, like even my relationship because she would say like, whatever is happening in your relationship is also happening in your business. So I had this pattern, like I mentioned, I, I always like tried to save people and I was doing it with my partner. Like I always wanted to help fix him, to tell him what to do, to save him. And she was like, well, you're going to do that with your clients and that they don't need that. That's not empowering. Um, you don't want to save your clients. You want to help them see that they are powerful enough to do whatever they want. So it's like when you have a really good coach, they help you work on all the areas, everything, all the areas in your life. It's it's quite amazing. Mm. How, I guess, how did you go about finding a coach when you decided I'm going to get a coach? Well, I was, um, I started a mastermind. So I was learning a lot of marketing, like twenty four seven, listening to podcasts, blah, blah blah. And I heard on a podcast that masterminds are really great, so I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to start one." And one of, and it went on for like a, a year and a half. Yeah. Would you ahead. explain what a mastermind is? Oh just yeah, for yeah. Those sorry. Who... <laughs> yes. Um, so a mastermind is essentially a group of business owners that comes together, and they either have an external coach or they don't. Like we didn't. We would just meet every two weeks, I think, and just talk about our businesses, what's working, what's not working, and just sharing that. Um, and you can also have one that's run by an external coach that kind of you know again gives you tools and trainings and things like that so I, w I started one with people I didn't know I just contacted them and we all came together and one of the girls told me about all this mindset stuff which you know I have a very skeptical side to this stuff <laughs> for anyone listening if you're like oh my god this is crazy um, I'm very skeptical. I grew up, you know, I'm Ukrainian. I was born in Ukraine. And my family is really like all into like practical stuff, none of this woo-woo craziness, whatever. So I was mm -hmm. really, really suspicious. Like when she would tell me this stuff, I was like, you're crazy. It doesn't work. Until <laughs> I saw, I kept seeing over and over that it works. And it started to make sense. And actually, the more I do it, the more it makes sense and the crazier mm -hmm. I get, I guess. But it, it works. So I'm so much happier doing this stuff. So she actually told me about another coach that she really liked. And I started to check her out. And then I joined her Facebook group and her program. And she interviewed my coach. And this woman had PTSD. She was talking about PTSD. She was a therapist as well. And I felt like she could really understand me. Um, as someone with PTSD, like post-traumatic stress disorder, running a business, um, I felt like, wow, she can really understand me. And she was a hypnotherapist. So she actually did hypnosis on me, which was really interesting. And she also uh, coached me on my business. So I really, I connected with her because I really felt like she can, you know, she can get it. Um, and then the, the coach that I have now, it's a program. It's actually a mastermind that she leads. I went to an event. This is really interesting. I went to an event and usually at free or, you know, like relatively non-expensive events, people will sell you things. And mm -hmm. usually I just like shut down. I'm like, I can't, I don't care. Okay. I'm not going to buy your thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there and they're selling this mastermind program. And I just find myself being like, yes, that sounds great. You know, my body's like, yes, I'm into this. I'm like, no, no, I'm way too scared. It's so much money. No way. No. Way. And my mind was like really trying to shut it off, but it really sounded amazing. So I actually ended up joining it, which was incredible. Um, I'm still, it's almost over. It's going to be over in April. So I'm still in the program and I've just learned so many incredible tools in that program. So it's just very enriching and it's not only enriching for your business. That's the thing. It's for your entire life. Um, so, so many things have changed. Like for instance, now if I argue with anyone, I really learn to take the time to sit with it and ask myself, what's why am I triggered like what's happening instead of saying they're so annoying why are they doing this and this and this to me I hate them I always ask myself first why am I being triggered like what is this triggering in me um so I've learned a lot of tools from the from the coaches wow um <clears throat> for people in our audience why would someone want a coach and how would you recommend they go out and find one I think everyone 
will benefit from a coach, like everyone. It's just about if you're ready to work on things because the coaching process, it's not easy. It's, um, it's fun, but it's not always easy. And sometimes it's really painful and it's not about running away from things. It's about like, you know, it's like when you see a scary thing, oh, cool, scary thing. Let's, let's look into it, into you. So if you are that kind of person and you're ready for that, then coaching is for you. That's, that's all I think is like, you know, there's two types of people either, or two, it's not two types of people. It's two types of times in your life. Like there were times in my life when I didn't want to look at the scary things and I wasn't ready. So obviously wasn't coachable at that point. Um, and how do you go about finding one? I have the practical answer, but <laughs> I also have the woo-woo or whatever you want to call it answer. And I really believe that it just comes to you. And that's how like my experience has been that way. You know, it's like when I said, I'm ready to work on myself. I'm ready to um, work on different parts of my life people came and they were the right people and it was like obvious like I worked with the medium for instance which can sound crazy but after I talked to her I had like a free call with her and then I thought about the things she told me for a week straight like every day I thought about it and thought about it and then I was like okay it's clear that I want to work with this woman so it's kind of I think the most important thing is like tuning into your intuition and I used to struggle with that quite a lot because, as I said, I would live in my mind. I am like a go-getter. I'm super motivated. I can focus for hours. Um, Plant-based eating really helps with that. So I'm just, you know, I really used to live in my head. And what I learned is that my body is so much smarter than my head. Like I can make excuses. I can start um, making myself crazy. Like, is this a good thing? Is this the right coach? I'm not sure. And then all these, like I call it catastrophizing when you just go into like crazy scenarios, you know? Yeah. And I just learned that the best thing you can do is just sit with it and actually close your eyes, ask your body, do I want, is this the right thing for me? You're always going to get the right answer. Um, it, it is a practice. So at first I just learned to feel like what, what do my boundaries feel like? What does good feel like? What does bad feel like? And really I had to like teach myself because I had no idea for so long. So I would ask myself and just notice the sensations. It's not necessarily like a feeling, but it's more like a sensation in your body. And then slowly you just really learn to trust yourself. And when you meet a coach that makes you excited, you learn to tune into it and be like, oh, yeah, this is the right person. And of course you can go look it up, but I can tell you that I've looked up coaches before and talked to them and felt like no chemistry. Like they were great. It, it's nothing about them. They were just not the right fit for me. So it's about finding the person that you click with, that you really feel safe with. You know, I have a lot of my clients tell me like I chose to work with you because I feel safe with you and I feel like I can open up and it's really like such an intimate relationship. So it's really important that you feel safe with that person and that you can share about everything. I know my clients lives inside out, you know, so it's like it's, that's really important. And then also someone that can push you further. So you don't want to feel like um, they are at your level in a sense of personal development, of different things, you know, whatever you want to develop, like even with food, like if someone really wants, if someone has been whole food plant-based, which is what I kind of teach my clients, if they've been that for 30 years um, and that's all they kind of want to develop, maybe I'm not the right person for them. Maybe they're farther along in the journey. So you always want to feel like this person is going to challenge me um, when I look at the coach that I have now, her energy is like, wow, I love this energy. And I like literally channel her energy. Like when, you know, I think of like, wow, Alyssa is like, when I look at her, I see like peace and power. And that's exactly the energy that I want to have, that I want to exude and like experience. So I can literally like tune into that energy and be like, yes, I'm channeling my Alyssa, my inner, inner Alyssa. So when, when you see a person and you're like really attracted to them and you like the way that they carry themselves and, and all of that, like that's kind of the package that I look for. Wow. Um. <clears throat> and kind of shifting gears more towards your business, mm -hmm. starting a business and running a business is very difficult. And frankly, step one is, I mean, after you have a product or a service, 
finding people who want to purchase. So, so what did you do to find clients? Um, so right now, as I said, at first I was really in the like digital space. So I mm -hmm. created courses and just online products. And I do, I think that's important. I actually um, provide that to my clients because I think it's really helpful, but I love the one-on-one -on -one time. So first of all, I would say like, ask yourself, what do you enjoy doing before you create a product? Um, what kind of work do you enjoy? I was in my head, I was like, I really want to be, you know, just, um, what do you call it? The residual income, like where you don't trade mm -hmm. dollars for hours. Um, and in my head, that was like, has to be digital, but that's not true because as a coach, I sell programs. So it's not like this much for a session. It's the pack, the experience, the container of three months. That's how I usually work with clients. So I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. And then I asked myself, what will give them the best transformation? Because I don't just care about, okay, I'm going to make so much money. But it's like, if my clients are not happy and they're not receive, getting their transformation, it doesn't feel good and not exciting to me at all. So I really broke down the steps of, you know, what would, what would they need to know, experience, what tools, um, to get there. And so I came up with the three month container. And for me, social media actually works. Facebook works well. I have a good audience on Facebook and I often give away the, I always do a free first session always. Cause I want people to experience the coaching. Like I actually coach people. It's very deep on the first session. Cause I want them to see um, what the experience is like. And if they like it, um, if they feel like they would get results, so I give a, the first 90-minute session, um, either on Facebook. I do online trainings. I love those. Those work really well for me. And they are educational about plant-based eating. But I also give, I actually coach people on the training. So they see a little bit of it because I, I don't want to work with someone who's not interested in the mindset piece. Because I don't think that they're going to get the transformation. So if they're not ready for it, they're not the right client for me at that time. Um, so I really like them to experience that on the training. And then at the end, I will offer like a limited number of spots for coaching for the session with me. That's usually... And then I do live events. I really like speaking and doing live events um, in San Diego. It's a really nice city to do that <laughs> in. So um, just anywhere, like free or paid events. Um, and that is how I fill up the coaching. Wow. And what advice would you give to a new business owner to try and find clients? Um, do you mean in coaching or like any? Just general across the board. Mm -hmm. um, I would say first, like really narrow down what you want to do, but also I've seen so many people who get stuck and they're like, I don't know. And there's all these choices. Just do something like I did the digital stuff for years and it wasn't super successful. And I'm really glad because I actually know that if that was my life, I would hate my life. So it's great that it didn't work out. So the biggest thing is to see a lesson in everything that you're doing so whatever is happening, just remember that life is kind to you and it's, it's just showing you the way. And it took me so long to accept that because I, trust me, like I had so many weeks of just crying and be like, why isn't anyone buying my stuff, you know? <laughs> um, but it was, I'm really glad that it happened. So um, that's one thing. And then practically just, there's so many ways to create clients or to, meet the right clients for you and to attract them to your business. So try what, what you enjoy. Like there's social media, there's offline marketing. You don't necessarily need to be online if you don't like it. Um, and don't go all over the place. Like I, when I started, I had, I was like everywhere <laughs> and I hated it. And it was, just, it was really dispersed attention. So my first coach was like, okay, pick two platforms that you really like. And I picked Instagram and Facebook and, and my email list. And that's it. And I actually stopped doing the other things. And I even closed my Facebook group. There were like 5,000 people in it. And it was like really scary, but I was like, I, I don't enjoy this. I really don't. And it's like an energy zap. 
You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to have those things. You want to really focus your energy on something that works. So find what works, you know, give it some time, but then find it and just continue doing that and just expanding it. And when you're ready, you can add on more, but just expand what really works for you and don't be everywhere. I don't think that it works to be everywhere all the time and just dispersing your energy. Um, It didn't work for me. I know that there are marketers who advise that, but I don't see it as productive and really enjoy it. Like I honestly forgot that part. I would just do You know, and sometimes I would really hate what I'm doing, but I felt like, oh, I have to do this. I just have to keep pushing through it. It doesn't work. And people can feel when you're not having fun. Now, like, for instance, when I'm coaching, I just, I'm like, I get paid for this. That's awesome. Because I love it so much. And I think my clients can tell, you know, so I just get Mm -hmm. so excited. So just do what you really, really love, because that will give you results for sure. Well, I couldn't agree more. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Marina. I, we're kind of winding down towards the end of our time here, so I want to ask you the last couple of questions that I ask all my guests. Um, so based on our conversation today, to help our audience take action and, and change their lives, what one to three action items would you give them to do today or this week to improve their lives? Um, one is to sit with their feelings. So that means... I like to explain it because even though it sounds simple, it's good to really understand what it means. Even if it's three minutes a day, just sit down, meditate on your feelings. So just feel the sensations in your body. Usually it's in your stomach, your chest or your throat. And it's not like I'm sad, I'm happy, but it's more like there's pulsing, there's movement, there's whatever's happening, just like notice without judging. And every time your mind wanders, come back to it. Okay, this is what's happening in my body. Just start doing that um, every day for a couple of minutes. That's one. The second one is to learn to celebrate the stepping stones and not necessarily like your goal. So to me, What I like to celebrate is when I get out of my comfort zone because I know when I get out of my comfort zone, that's how I get results and how I grow. And I used to just be like, I'm only going to celebrate when I get, I don't know, $5,000 or whatever. And that's not really, you know, that's not productive um, because there's so much learning to do sometimes to get to that goal. So celebrate every time you do something that feels super uncomfortable. If you, for instance, for me in the beginning, doing like the the introductory coaching calling, now I love it. But at first it was the scariest thing ever. And I would just fill up my calendar with like five a day. And it was like literally at the end of the day, I was dead. Like I felt like, you know, it was so uncomfortable. And I was like, wow, I'm so proud of you. Like in my head, I would say, I'm so proud of you. And my friends were really amazing because I would tell them, I did this today and they were like, I'm so proud of you. Oh my God, that's so scary. And you did it. So also like get other people around you to remind you that it's not just about the goal, but it's like all those steps that you're taking that feel really uncomfortable. Celebrate every single one. And the third one will have to be food because honestly, we didn't talk about it much, but food is so important. And it's really been like the beginning of my journey. Um, because it was when I realized that my genes don't control my health. I I get to, you know, with food, I get to actually control um, my health, my energy, all of those things. And so eating well, especially for business owners, is so huge. I know that when I don't, my energy just plummets. So couldn't recommend a plant-based diet more than I do. I've lived it for seven years and it's truly the most amazing thing. And if you're thinking like, oh my God, it's too hard. Like I've heard of it. It sounds cool, but it's way too hard. Um, I would question that belief. Like, is it really too hard? You know, is it just in your mind? Um, But it's really been an amazing, amazing journey starting with how I changed my diet. Perfect. Well, uh, Marina, how can our audience reach out to you, connect with you, and support what you're up to? Yeah, I'm on Soul in the Raw. That's the name of my business. So it's S O U L I N 
T-H-E-R-A-W.com. And it's the same on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can always, always reach out to me and ask a question. And I also invite you, if you're interested to have a session with me, definitely reach out and we can chat a little bit and see if you're the right fit. And then we can have a session together. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I had I have enjoyed this conversation, and uh, we, we went a lot of places that I didn't really uh, foresee. So that was very interesting, and I'm I'm, I'm happy that we did. So thank, thank you. you. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Well, that is another one in the books. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, I, I really appreciate you sticking in and and being a part of this podcast week in and week out. Again, if not all of it might have been for you, but I know that you got some form of value out of that podcast because we talked about a lot of different things. So do me a favor. Think of someone you know who could benefit from the show and, and send them a link because I guarantee you that message is going to help someone. So maybe you can have someone ha- help someone have a better day. But again, thanks so much, guys. Um, I, I really can't say how grateful I am enough to you for listening to this podcast and making it more than I ever could. So I want you to go and uh, have a good day today. We'll see you back on Thursday. But until then, go out and do some hard things because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show, and you might have heard this already, even in today's episode, but uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, My guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up (laughs) Uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below. As well, you can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at The Hard Thing Podcast. This is first come, first serve, and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.